Now we're hitting record, and it's very casual, and Maureen Holloway's here. Dan Duran and I are very excited by that. Yeah. Look, there we are. I can tell. Um, we were just having a quick discussion before we start the show, because Dan and I, Dan's been, uh, Dan and I were roommates in Calgary 40 years ago, and Dan has been working in the city the last couple months and staying here, Mo. So we're talking about you last night, and I said, you know, I, I was trying to remember when you and I worked together, which we're going to get to. And then Dan said... Dan? Well, I thought you worked in Calgary for some reason around the time I was working at, at CKXL, CHFM. But that yeah. was like long a time ago. Yeah. yeah. A long time ago. Everybody thinks that I've worked in or lived where, because I was in different markets from Halifax to Vancouver, from sea to shining sea, mm-hmm. uh, that everybody I know from different places said, well, weren't you working in Vancouver? And I was like, and or Montreal? And the answer is yes, but I didn't live there. And that's what I thought, Maureen, because, and what I said to Dan is that we both knew, we both knew um, Marilyn Dennis. Uh, She worked, we worked at a state, Dan and I worked at a station called Kick 107, which became Q107. Yeah. Not the Q107 that you had. We'll get Uh, to that. We're going to get to that. (laughs) But, uh, but I don't, I just, when Dan said you worked at CKXL, I was like, I don't know about that. Because again, at this point in our lives, we're all like, oh, we're sitting with, do I know you? <laughs> I remember stuff that wasn't true. But it's also, I get confused with Marilyn, not ne- necessarily as the name is similar enough. And I've had people come up and go, Marilyn. And I'm like, no, I'm Maureen. And they're like, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I've told this story in the podcast before. This is absolutely true. The first time I met Marilyn Dennis... I was making out with her roommate at, on the, at the front of her house. I don't even remember the woman's name, but I was making out. It was like a kissing her goodbye sesh. I would have been like 22. And this woman came up behind us and said, hello, Howard. And I was like, excuse me. And it was Marilyn Dennis. It was Marilyn. She does pop up at this she does. Like, times. Uh, all right. Well, there's your little pre-show session. Dan Duran, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred studios in West Toronto and from our East Toronto studio. We have no idea where Maureen lives. She won't tell us. (laughs) And is brought to you by Bodog, the retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Air Adventures. EVNet.ca and GoDaddy. With GoDaddy, you can find your domain, easily create your website, and start selling online. GoDaddy has all the tools and support you need for your small business. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. And now, here are two people who have been in the media spotlight all their lives, but only one looks good doing it. It's Humble and guest friend Maureen Holloway. There you go. And we're thrilled to have Maureen with us. A couple seconds ago, just before we hit record, Maureen said, uh, oh, something happened to my Zoom. And, I, and I, I said, I've got a gift from Zoom. And the gift was she couldn't see us, <laughs> which, which I thought was you awesome. You guys look amazing. And Dan yeah. makes it sound so professional. Oh, no, I know. That's really the most yeah. professional thing that you're going to hear in the next 90 minutes. <laughs> Um, it started okay, and then uh, yeah, yeah, it gets it, we we you know it's like any kind of great bit you know we have a great beginning we have a decent ending in the middle it's just like it's ah whatever like a bad sandwich. Um, here's the weird thing: I woke up this morning. I'm saying to Maureen. By the way, don't, do I do, people, do your friends call you Mo or I? I don't. Yeah, everybody okay. calls me Mo. You used so, to call me Mo. I, I, okay, we're, I, that's the other thing. I, I uh, we're going to get to our my memory of us working together. But anyways, Mo, I got up this morning and for the first half hour of being conscious. I can't get, uh, and I don't know why, Dan, where it came from, 
because I wasn't listening to it last night, but Christopher Cross's Ride Like the Wind is just like... <laughs> I'm, I, I was doing some things in the Sums kitchen. Sums up our relationship. Yeah, and I was like, why? And you know, they say that... Because that, it was that time. I think it was probably in the late 80s, right? Early 90s. I went to CKFM in 1991. Okay. And wow. I was... Uh, in, in 91, I became the first person to say Mix 99.9. It was uh, the Labor Day of 1991 because I got there in the spring. But yeah. in the meantime, let me use this. And one of the things I've heard or read over the years is that if you get an earworm, it's best to go and actually just listen to the song. So by way of introduction. <laughs> really? <laughs> she is a uh, broadcaster, writer, media superstar, wife, mother. I couldn't read my own writing. And one of the women of ill repute and uh, one of the uh, finest broadcasters this country or any other has produced, please say hi to guest Fred, Maureen Holloway. There you go. And and then I'll hit the post. Boom. 97.3. Ah, fuck. I'm so out of practice. You know, I just like walk. I just stomp, curb stomp the post. Okay. An old radio joke. Uh, a very uh, renowned older broadcaster like older than us no longer working um was notorious for not being able to hit the post as they say (laughs) and uh he was coming into work this is at the old ckfm and he had a car accident of course the joke was he hit the post for the first time (laughs) in his life (laughs) that's right that's so good and you know and and what most people don't realize because they used to that was one of the questions people would ask us and and even when dan and i first started working together dan was on the air doing a disc jockey show a dj show people would say how do you guys you know talk right up to the point when they start singing and in in our system dan it used to actually count you in yeah yeah, almost to the, the point where the, the post, the, the, a light would start flashing. Almost to the point when it, it would say, "Stop talking now." Yeah. But yeah. Uh, now that that one was just free range. <laughs> I didn't yeah. have any. I had no. <laughs> it was a free range post hitting. I had no help. <laughs> uh, so, so continuing that conversation. By the way, today our guest Maureen and I will have uh, an interesting chat with uh, Jackie Delaney, and uh, and we're going to continue uh, a, a conversation that Fred and I started last spring. That was initially actually began by Jennifer Valentine, and everyone knows what I'm talking about. So we're going to get to that. But in the meantime, I want to catch up with Maureen. So I went there in 91. Were you at in that building? I, I was. I was at um, CKFM. I started in 86, I want to say, maybe earlier. That was my started, first job. Started right. Oh, okay. And, uh, and then uh, so went through a bunch of morning men, and then you were there. But I was doing, at that point, I was doing afternoons with Dan Williamson. But so you and I have actually never worked together. You were on the you were on in the morning with Larry Fedorik. Yes, I was. And but I, I here's my weird recollection. I, I remember we were in the United Way lip sync contest together. You and me and Larry and Miriam Sakur, who was our promotions director, who's still one of my dearest friends and, and a very uh, lovely human being. Yeah, she is a lovely human being. I wish I told her to listen because it's lunchtime there and she could. Where, where does um, uh, where does she live now? She lives in London. She married a peer. Oh, did she? She's Lady Neville. Come on. I'm not even kidding. I, she has daughters. She has daughters older than she was when we... we anyway, it, But is it okay? Did, by the way, is it okay to say that my recollection of her is that she was also stunning? She still is. Okay. 
Because I don't know, is. you're not so, Dan. You're not even supposed to remember somebody as good looking back in the no, day. No, she's right. she's gorgeous, gorgeous woman, Miriam. So we uh, did a lip sync. She's Irish Indian. I mean, a yeah, gorgeous she's background. Yeah. So in the in the days when we were young and did things like lip sync contests. Yes, the United Way lip sync contest. We were ABBA. You and me and Miriam and Larry. We did a compilation of ABBA hits. Wow. And this was so long ago. It was actually before Mamma Mia. So we were responsible for the ABBA revival, and we wore. You, you and Larry wore white jumpsuits. You actually they were Elvis jumpsuits. But of course, you threw we did. Them in Jim Bjorn and Benny. Yes. And I remember you wanted to stuff socks down your pants because they were so clingy that you wanted to make sure that you guys were well represented. Well, well, there's you know <laughs> when I woke up when I woke up singing along with Christopher Cross this morning, yeah, I certainly yeah. wasn't expecting that story. No, but that's what we did, and then so and we rehearsed and and we were really good, and I think we won something important and raised a lot of money for the United Way. So wow, that's, that is that's how we ended up working together. <laughs> we were never on air together. You don't have a recording, do you? Well, it's a lip sync contest, Dan. No, but they no, they did record oh, a video. Oh, you mean a video recording? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> God, well, <laughs> I tell you what, Dan. <laughs> I uh, I hope I sure as hell hope there is no video recording of me wearing a white jumpsuit with my yeah, with a sock sure stuffed down my pants. Um, we had a lot of fun, Dan. Aren't you proud of me that I'm I'm being so mature, not mentioning anything about you not having to stuff a sock down your pants? Yeah. I mean, seriously, because <laughs> Maureen's not here. Yeah, because Maureen's here and she's classy. Um, yeah, can be. I have so my recollection of you, though, is that we were, and this is going to sound odd, because we really haven't seen much of each other over the subsequent three decades, but I have a recollection of being certainly enough in your sphere, having been invited to your home, yeah, yeah. because I know that your husband's name is John. Well, I knew you were with Randy. I was with still, is- ex-wife, ex-wife Randy now, still my best bud. Went to a Andy. movie with her a couple nights ago. So, well, how is she? She's Fantastic. a lovely woman. Lovely, lovely, and, lovely. And this was before kids, before uh, Charlie Did, and Spencer. How about that? Wow. Yeah. Now, is this before your kids? Yes, yes, before. This was before kids, and you were at our house. I'm still in High Park, but that was two houses ago. Because we were in and, High Park. We were living on yeah. uh, Windermere, just uh, west of you know west of High Park, yeah. just south of Bloor. Bloor west, yeah. Uh, and I, I'd written this down, so I knew that you had a husband named John. Yes, I still I, do. I want to... Fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you beat you. the odds. <laughs> I managed to hang on to him. Ex-wife Randy's two girlfriends ago, so... Um, <laughs> although, <laughs> we you know, it's fun. Yeah, now. exactly. Although, you know, I, I have really lucked out because we've uh, we've been separated and divorced for 23, so 14 years, but like we went on a trip together in the fall to France to visit, to visit some of our best friends. Like, we're still very good friends and that's great my uh birthday weekend plans with the kids will include their mom and we would would never think of not including her so i really lucked out in that case that she she was a great wife and mom and still is and a great ex-wife although when we were on vacation as i said to dan once i said i was reminded every day of why we were married and and why we're not married (laughs) (laughs) why we're not married we'll do that so let's catch up with you uh john is uh, still in your life and you have two two boys Boys? Aiden will okay. Get ready for this. Aiden will be thirty next month in wow. March, and he just got married this year. And so he and Jamie also live in the neighborhood, and he's in commercial real estate, and they're house hunting. And oh my god, uh, I still marvel. I marvel at the fact that I have a fully blown adult uh, child. 
But then I so, have Rodin. So Aiden is, that's, by the way, great names. Aiden and Rodin, or Aiden, Aiden, and Ro- Ro- Ronan. Rodin, not Rodin. Rodin. Although we Rodin. didn't consider that. Yeah. <laughs> Aiden, we had a very artistic son named Rodin. Uh, Aiden and Rodin. Ronan. Rodin, Rodin. Ah. All right, Ronan. Ronan. All right. Yeah, like Conan, but with an R. Uh, so Aiden is, 20, is 30, and Ronan is 24. Wow. And he's in law school. And getting a master's in English. He's a bit of an underachiever. Oh, Lottie da <laughs> Nah, he's really smart. And uh, they both are. Oh, my God, if Hayden's listening. No, you're both smart, kids. Mommy loves you both. Mommy loves you both, but not really. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Because uh, I used to, I do this joke in my act uh, where I talk about kids. And at the time, this is about, I, can't, I started doing stand-up, you know, 40 years ago. But I, I started doing it again in earnest. Well, I, I did doesn't matter what I did. Anyway, I've been doing stand-up again for the last four or five years, and I do this joke about my kids. I say, I have two daughters. One is 24, and the other one's kind of a dick, actually. (laughs) (laughs) And and I said, you know, everyone, every family has their, you know, the good kid and the shitty kid. And the thing is, if you don't know which one you were, you were the shitty kid. Trust you were the me. shitty kid. No, but, I don't uh, have to. Yes, uh, neither of them are shitty. But we we love our go. children equally. Equally. Yes. <laughs> but differently at different times. Yes. Do you not find that? with mm. uh, that, that you sort of, your, your closeness goes back and forth depending on... on you know who wants money or who's treated yeah, shabbily. Depending. Well, well, the youngest, my youngest one is a, very, a character, and they're still on the data plan, as in data still pays for some stuff. But, <laughs> um, like but yeah, like I think your first one, and Dan has a son, my godson, a great kid. What's his name again? <laughs> no, Colton. 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 I just blanked for. A, I love this kid, Colton, who's a freaking artistic genius. But I think your first kid especially when you're younger when we were all younger humans having children that first one's special only because it's the first one. Oh yeah yeah have you heard this theory and I, I find it to be strangely true although I don't uh, that second children are funnier like like they're they're more amusing <laughs> not funny yeah. looking or their ears um, are weird yeah I <laughs> I haven't heard. I would, you know, it's funny because there's an old phrase of uh, if you'd had the second one first, there wouldn't have been a second one. You ever heard that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard that. But I think I also think the second child is gets to be observational. Like your your energy is so much focused on your first child. Sure. The second one gets a break, and they get to sort of ob- observe what's going on and 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 be funnier as a result. And if there was a, actually some sort of informal poll of successful comedians. And it was there was a remarkable percentage of them who were second children, second or last children. I would or say, or last Cause, children, because yeah, I was but the, not first. I was the third one in my family. Both of my older brothers are smart, you know, very successful. Very, they went to university, and uh, you know, I did this. So, um, <laughs> so it says everything. And, and, well, and and the thing about you know the younger ones, Dan, I was going to say with Colton, like he's with the I, only kids. I guess they they have all the attributes. They get all the attention. But they are also left alone to their own devices, and maybe that's why he became so artistic because he's such a, he's amazing. He's like a graphic it could artist. Be that, yeah. yeah. Well, and yeah. only children tend to read a lot because you know they've got to entertain themselves. And yeah, that's true. He did. <clears throat> yeah. Well, until he got his phone, and then, then oh changed. well, that yeah. Well, yeah. for all of us, yeah, it's, it's funny. A lot. Well, I'll tell you what, my second one is definitely you know was lippy er saucy er. You know, when she was a kid, I remember speaking of the phone, and I remember having this conversation. 
you know, Spencer would have been, uh, you know, nine, 10, Charlie, 13, whatever. And the conversation was, when am I going to get a cell phone? And I'm like, well, there's no, there's no rule that says you get to have one just because. Right. <laughs> and I said, you know, when daddy got a cell phone, he's like, when? I go, when they invented them. Yeah. That's when daddy got his. <laughs> when they were finally invented. Do you remember I, the first, <clears throat> so I don't even know if it was cell phone. It was more like an army phone. No, the, 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 the car phone. We called them car <laughs> phones. Car phones. Yeah. I was so proud of it. It was huge. It probably right. weighed about five pounds. And That's I carried right. it around like I was the coolest thing ever. And it was really like something you would call from the battlefield. Absolutely. On, you know? well, I used to just say, did, did you ca- buy that? You bought that big phone? I did don't remember where it? I, I think somebody, I think it was a perk of some kind. Oh, yeah. maybe, yeah. maybe it was my husband's phone. I, I, I think know. it was uh, universal that almost everyone's first call from their car phone was to a friend saying, guess where I'm calling guess you from? Guess where I'm calling you from? <laughs> Um, But, you know, back to the birth order and how they turn out, I I would say, like, especially because I, you know, we're around a lot of people, you know, our kids, my my older daughter is 28, probably sometime in the next few years going to have a kid. And I remember thinking when when I've been around young people who are pregnant, I always say the same thing. It is going to seem like this pregnancy is so incredible and lots of, you know, a stress. But I said, the minute you have that child then you forget about ever having been pregnant. Is, was that so the case true. for you? That is exactly it. Well, I remember it's because you're all focused on giving birth. Right. And uh, it's funny because actually somebody just got in touch with me recently who was in my Lamaze class. Yeah, from with Aiden. So 30 years ago. Uh, and she just she she subscribed to to uh, I write for for Substack. It's a long boring story. I'm going way down a rabbit hole. You keep but going. But anyway, she just we reminded got nine, me, Maureen. That we don't we, ever you keep going. We got 90 minutes to fill. So you go on <laughs> any rabbit hole you choose to. Very different. And she said, I remember you from Lamaz class, which are you know prenatal classes. Right. And she said you were hilarious, and I was like, I was hilarious in prenatal class. But anyway, all to say, you're so focused. Both you and your partner on the day, like this is going to happen. You're going to go into labor, and and a human's going to come along, and this is how you're going to get through it. And focus, focus, focus on that. And then it happens. And I had a horrendous time with Aiden. He ended up being in a emergency C-section. And nobody tells you you end up with a baby. I mean, you know you do, but then it's all over, and it's like I have a baby now. Nobody wants to talk about what I just went through. <laughs> exactly. No one cares. <laughs> I'm alone with this creature, yeah. and and uh, it's like okay, it's a completely different chapter, and that, and it's just as well. Otherwise, nobody would have a second child. Exactly. And Dan was with me when we brought Charlie home, and I remember that everything was exciting and then you're at the hospital and you've got like other there's grown-ups helping you and then you come home and you're just like wait a second it's like i can't put together ikea furniture i'm supposed to take care of this thing (laughs) and uh and then charlie was like super colicky you know crying her freaking eyes out for eight weeks and i remember one of randy's friends came to visit us around week six i opened the door with the baby and i went we've made a huge mistake (laughs) just we need to we need to put this somewhere where we're stopped That's crying. That's the other thing. And, you know, um, quite seriously, I think it does account for a p- certainly part of postpartum depression, mm-hmm. um, you know, which can hit both parents, but usually mothers, is that there's this a crushing feeling of, oh, my God, I can never, first of all, I can never be alone again, I'm, or at least for 18 years. Uh, I'm going to be responsible for this human and uh, I'm probably going to fuck it up. And by the way, you probably will. Mm-hmm. Um, that's almost guaranteed. And it's it is a crushing realization, and it's it's real. And you can't take it back. You can't exchange it. You know, it's funny you bring that up. Funny, interesting, as we always say that on the show. But it, you know, I, whenever I've thought of postpartum, literally until this moment, I always thought it was hormonal. 
But but I realize, and, and you make a great point, that it's psychological for a mother and to a degree a dad. Like I remember feeling an overwhelming sense of, well, I better grow up now. You know, I better, I better <laughs> clearly better, that didn't. Stick. I better stop. I better stick. <laughs> exactly. I better get mature now. Did you? Did you have those feelings, Dan? Have, have you always felt? You always seemed very grown up to me. You know, me with too. your Germanic, yeah. you know, yeah. Nazi background. Yeah. Right. <laughs> my time with a Luftwaffe. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, it's strange that you're my best friend. You know, great, Germans great and Jews trying skills. to yeah. exist. Yeah. What's that? I'm sorry. Great coping skills. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I I had the same stuff. Any parent goes through the first, the same thing. It's like you get home like, like wow, I did, you know, I've got to make sure that I do this right. But <clears throat> I always found that, every, that it was just every step of the way, it presented a solution. Like you sort of work through it. But the, the, if you looked at the gargantuous task in front of right. you, it was, it was intimidating. Yeah. And that, that got me the most. But then it's like, oh, okay, well, I'll just deal with this little small thing. And that's why I think second and third subsequent kids tend to be a bit chiller in certain ways. Certainly ours was in certain ways because, and again, this is, I keep, you keep giving me cues for jokes for my act, but I did this joke, used to do this joke about how first children, you know, they're, you know, they have so much attention. There's thousands of, you know, minutes of video. And, you know, this was back in the days when, you know, parents had video cameras. I said, the second kid is like, there's a couple of courtroom sketches, you know, that's like... <laughs> You know, the first kid you're so careful with. The second kid, you're like, hey, honey, can you bring Danny's, uh, daddy's scissors and just run those over here? Just, honey, could you get that glass cutter and just, could you get that butane? Um, but because <laughs> by the time, for the gamut, oh, no, the, all of it. By the time I came along, my parents were so sick of being parents. I think they were like, yeah, whatever. Let him run wild. Yeah. Um, and that's certainly been the case. My older daughter is certain, not the more responsible of the two, but just first kids like Dan, are you the oldest in the family? Yeah, I'm the oldest. And Maureen, where are you in the family? Oldest. Huh? Oldest Interesting. of four. Uh, yeah. Because, again, to a lot of your point about comedians or whatever, show business people, they, they can be later in the birth order because you got all this attention without any of their responsibility. Exactly. Whereas you guys got all the responsibility Crushing. and the attention. Crushing. And I was quite a bit older, like... You know, I, uh, uh, there's me, then my, there's my sister who's six years younger, my brother's seven years younger, then another sister's nine years younger. So they were like, you know, basically my mother said, well, you look after them. Mm-hmm. And that was my role for the first part of it. So, yeah, it does. I am the responsible one, and I'm the one with the crushing anxiety as well. And I think parents also with that first child... Um, it's you've never done it before and and all the nervousness and that's what they say there's a colic is a, a biological like your your little baby stomachs hasn't quite formed yet but a lot of psychologists think it's because parents have so much anxiety they're they're yeah. offloading it onto this little new yeah. human that yeah. the kids picking it up and it's making their stomachs gassy which oh, I, which I think is what's happened to me what's that <laughs> it makes you more anxious it's <laughs> exactly. like okay i'm Oh no, now I've propelled my anxiety onto my child and I'm even more anxious. So look, they are now. And it's just That's right. They won't stop crying circle. and farting, which again is kind of like in my 60s now. That's what's happened to me. <laughs> okay, um, all right, we got a big show. Maureen Holloway is filling in for Fred. We're going to talk about uh, what Moore's been up to up to lately and Dan Duran's news will be part of this program. Boone's going to check in later as he always does and I think Freddie is uh, going to be with us from the Dominican Republic. We're going to try out uh, the broadcast for uh, next week. I was um, 
listening to Maureen's, uh, you're right here, I'll say you, I was listening to your podcast last night, The Women of Ill Repute, and uh, the episode I chose to listen to was your first, and I guess because you basically just interview other women. Well, no, we've changed that. But and that- there's, a, there's, there's a reason behind it. And- <clears throat> So, yeah, Rick Mercer was that what we was right. call him, our so first man. I yeah. listened to the Rick Mercer uh, interview with you and Wendy Mesley, your podcast partner, and it was excellent. The podcast is excellent. It's well-produced. It's really, really informative. It was funny, and and I've interviewed Rick, and I know him slightly from being around, you know, stand-up and such. And by the way, I found that part fascinating, him talking about going to try stand-up and how you have to, how much work it is to create material, and it is. It's like... One of the reasons I started doing it again is because I moved back to Toronto. I was living in Oakville. And for me to go down to Yuck Yucks on a Friday night from Oakville, it's a bit of a schlep and I didn't want to do it. But living in the city again, I started doing five and six and seven sets a week because it's, the access was there. And I just, I loved it. But, uh, but back to the women of ill repute, by the way, available wherever podcasts are uh, released. Um, I want to talk a little bit about that because you were a broadcaster for a long time. And uh, when it ended for you, was that one of the first things you thought of? Because it only oh, ended, God, your, no. your, your career ended only just a few, it was pretty recent, right? A year, a little over a year ago. Um, and my career didn't end. I was just let go. Right. <laughs> right? You know there's <laughs> a difference, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so when you were recently shit-canned. Uh, <laughs> that would be more like it. Where, that's just, a weird story, just, too. Yeah, bring us up today, because you were, where were you last? Okay, at CHFI? Uh, I was at CHFI. I was hosting the morning show, uh, uh, and it was with uh, with Darren B. Lamb, um, Aaron Davis, who had that chair for years, legendary, uh, had decided to retire and move out west, and so I was hired to replace her, as if anybody could. Uh, very different. Um, we're very different broadcasters. So I was put in with Darren. Everything was great. Show went to number one. They couldn't have been happier. And uh, and then the pandemic struck, and then uh, Darren disappeared. He went on vacation in February of 2020. What do you mean disappeared? Like making a murderer disappeared? or Nobody knows what happened to him. Well, we do. He lives out west somewhere. I don't want to spend too much time talking about him because I don't like him for that reason and others. For the fact that he just took off. I'm sorry. I'm, I, again, I don't. I'm. I'm. I'm not going to dwell on it if you don't want to. But I have literally no idea what you're talking about. He went on vacation. Then he. he then he did not come back. Did he let everyone, anyone know he was not coming back? Not until. He, not until he was gone, and then he contacted management. No, we sent us. There were four, five of us on the show, so he sent the four of us uh, a letter saying, uh, you know, he will not be returning for no reason, and wishes us all well. And I called management, and they said, no, 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 he'll be back. And I said, no, 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 he says he's not coming back. And they were like, we'll get back to you. And then we lived in limbo for the next few weeks. Uh, And then they decided they wouldn't tell us what was going on. And they said they were talking to him, but he's not coming back. And actually, I believe Julie Adam described it as a shit show. That would be her technical term. And then they started asking me, well, who do you want to do the show with? Like, name your dream. We had a new new, new management, too. It was just complete dog's breakfast. Who do you want to work with? And, like, give us a list of names, and we'll, you know, we'll rebuild the show. And I, I did. I, uh, I started throwing out some names, and they said, well, you know what? In the meantime, we're going to bring Mike Cooper out of retirement. Remember Mike Cooper? Mike used Love to do Mike, show with yeah. Aaron. Great guy. Lovely guy. Yep. Uh, late 60s at that point. Uh, which was two years ago. And they said, well, we're going to bring Mike in and Mike will sit in with you 
while we figure out what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Because Darren's not coming back. But they insisted we call it the Darren and Mo show the whole time because they had spent all this money on marketing and there were billboards all over town. So it became the Darren and Mo show with Maureen Holloway and Mike Cooper. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> That's clear. That's, that's, that's clear. You know, you know what that is? That's snappy. That is snappy. Okay, and of course, me, listeners were like, what's going on? And let, we'd let me be just like, pause. We don't know. Let me pause you for a second. So uh, this is during the pandemic. Forget the fact uh-huh. that my forget the fact that my name wasn't on that list, but forget that. Forgetting that. Howard, how do you know it wasn't? Whatever. Um, but here's my question. Didn't was there any talk of like, well, let's just let Maureen do the show? It's twenty hundred well, and whatever the fuck. It, you yeah. know, we don't, we don't, Maureen doesn't need, clearly doesn't need some boob, some stooge, uh, and and you know some guy. Apologies to all my co-hosts over the years. But, you but. know, I mean, but there, I mean, seriously, there was that. Yeah. There is that thing where, well, a woman can't actually just host the show herself. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, well, we were trying to have these conversations, but then they just stopped talking. This would be around June of 2020 just stop talking wouldn't have a meeting with anybody then they let our our senior producer ian go he'd been there for 25 years i remember they let him, him good go. guy great guy were they, was he the little general is that what the general he was called the general he was called the general okay, he was okay. little he's okay. not little no because the little general is what little general is what <laughs> fred and i yeah what what little little general is what fred and i call jj but that's a different yeah. oh yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah we yeah, call yeah, him the little different. general yeah, yeah the little general that's that's very appropriate yeah. no yeah. Ian and, and then we always say e-guards e-guards man yeah yeah so they let him go <laughs> yeah and then we realized they were demolishing us they were taking the show apart without them telling us and i'm talking about management they just decided they were going to go in another direction. My contract was up at the end of the year. So they just basically said, we're not renewing your contract and we're going in a different direction. And the irony is I would play uh, golf with uh, with Gurdip Alawalia, who ultimately uh, Pooja and Gurdip replaced me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had hired them in April. So they'd been stringing us along the whole time. Pretty awful. Well, it is pretty so, awful, especially. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know why. Is, is that a? I'm just going to say, is that a particular radio management thing? I think it happens in a lot of businesses. What is that phrase that I I read it recently? Not constructive dismissal, or the, but it's a, it's there's a phrase to describe what you've just gone through, which is like being quietly fired. Or and I'm. It is like constructive dismissal, except I was a contractor. I have been all my life, not an employee. So yeah, me too. I've never been. Yeah. So unfortunately, I mean, I obviously retained uh, legal counsel, and uh, but as as a as a contractor, I didn't have a leg to stand on. Had I been an employee, I might have had a chance, um, mm-hmm. but no. So I was let go at the end of my contract. No pension. No nothing. I mean, I'm not complaining about the money. I was well paid. But I was treated very shabbily that last year. And I had done everything they'd wanted. And this is the middle of the pandemic. And the show had absolutely no support. And um, anyway, I left. Um, their ratings tanked. <laughs> Don't you love it when that happens? Yeah, I do. When it does? I mean, not that you I mean, it's never happened to me, but I love hearing about that. <laughs> yeah. Usually when Fred and I left someplace, they go, God damn, things are this is so much better. The things are really the day is brighter, and, the sky is bluer. <laughs> and okay, and I want to get to there's a couple things that you've said that I and I had written some notes and it's interesting you brought up golf. Yeah. Um, but let's get back to just quickly wrap up the timeline. So you left that show and, and I left the show in October of twenty twenty. My contract actually ended in December. They let me go early because I was so unhappy at that point. I guess so. And when did the women of ill repute debut? 
so um so wendy and i had been friends for about five or six years we met through a mutual friend john moore news talk 10 10 and wendy and a I mutual are friend of ours as well yeah, i love that guy. i know all the good guys know each other Isn't that funny? he's a, he i was gonna bring him up he is one of my favorite favorite people and you brought he him is, up uh, you you referenced him uh, uh quietly referenced him on the rick mercer yes. uh, interview but only i yeah, only people or, that know yeah, who you were talking about would yes. know yeah because he's a pretty private fellow in a lot of ways um, but where were we? Uh, uh, women of the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you and you well, knew each we, other. Okay, so yeah. Wendy and I have known each other probably at five or six years. We'd met on and off before, but um, and there are a lot of similarities. We we have r- ridiculous amount in common. You know, we're uh, both breast cancer survivors. Our mothers died with, within a week of each other. We have short hair. Uh, oh well, know. so much. Yes, yeah, so much. <laughs> Same shoe size. <laughs> okay. All those things. So, because you people. guys had short hair, you thought, "Hey, we should do a short hair podcast." Fantastic. Short hair. Yeah, my son said if he should call it the Two Karens. Look at you. Um, That's funny. But, uh, yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, she had been through her own um, travails. Yes. Let's put it this way: she'd been as, uh, summarily dismissed from CBC for absolutely ridiculous charges, which were um, absolutely inaccurate. Um, so she was after her spending her whole life there and she was uh she was nursing her wounds in Prince Edward County where she and her husband had moved to and we were coming home from a ski trip at uh, uh Christmas last year uh 20 I'm losing track 2021 2021 and we stopped off to have a sleepover the night before New Year's and Wendy said I have an idea uh, I want to do a podcast with you called she had the title, Women of Ill Repute, and we'll talk to people like Jane Fonda and Cher. Because and, Wendy comes from CBC yeah. where you say, I want to talk to <laughs> That's right. You know Ryan Reynolds, and they serve him up on a silver platter. And I was like, well, it's a great idea, but I think we're going to have to aim a little more... A little closer to home for guests. That's but, really yeah, funny. Well, that that is part of one of my. I was going to interrupt by saying, what's one of my favorite things listening to your show too? Because it's like Wendy comes from a place where they had sixteen producers, and you come from radio. Yeah, yeah, from private radio. Private radio. And, and I mean, she'll be the first to admit that they had like a staff of thirty for every show that she was on. And sure. So, I mean, it has been bumpy this past year because it's been a very steep learning curve for both of us. We didn't know anything about nothing, and we didn't know where to go first. We didn't even know who to talk to, and we we talked to a few people who helped us out and then found out we have to do everything ourselves. That's right. We had to, yeah, and you and I talked about this uh, before this, 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 uh, this show, that you have to not only be the talent, but you have to be the booker the talent booker you have to be your own sales manager you have to be your own tech i am the technical person <laughs> i know you know <laughs> which is in, hilarious in the first couple of months of fred and i doing this it just happened to coincide with canadian music week and we thought hey this will be fun we'll take some of our little equipment we'll go down to the royal york while they're having this conference and we'll interview <laughs> people in radio and as we were setting up fred and i were trying to figure out where some of this stuff went i looked at him and i said didn't we used to have people do this shit for us yeah but you exactly. don't exactly you, you don't, know. and and you have to learn. And you know, you've been very helpful. One of the best things that you told me and this was recently, and I repeated it because Wendy was in town last weekend, and we had a because she lives now in Prince Edward County, and uh, as I mentioned, so she was actually here for for a, a, an in person meeting, and I said, you know, in the words of uh, my friend Howard Glassman, um, anything you can do by yourself, do by yourself. Because, oh, yeah. you, know, you know, when you start to get a little bit of success, which is where we're at, I mean, by no means, the, the, I think the podcast is just starting to pay for itself. And that's amazing. Sure. After six and months. that's very unique, too. 
that is very unique. We're not making any money. We do. We have people we, we pay. We have not made any money, quite the opposite on this. But you said, and it's true, when you start to get a little bit of success, people start coming to you and going, hey, I can do this for you for 30% or I can do that for you for, for a cut of the – and you're tempted to do that. Uh, but there's sometimes it turns out you can do that yourself and you don't really need to hand that over. Absolutely. And it's like the, what's the little red hand? Who's going to help <laughs> sure. me build this cake, make this cake and nobody does and they all want a piece of it. And it's like, Hey, you didn't help. You um, didn't help. Listen, I want to, I want to uh, talk to a, about a couple things before Jackie joins us, because once she joins us, I think it's going to take a turn to, uh, Voldemort. this Voldemort talk. <laughs> uh, but I have to do a little business, uh, here in the meantime, oh, well. uh, hang on a second while, uh, the Fred man weighs in on this. Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Small business being, say, one to a hundred employees. If you've thought about having a benefit package for your small business, this is the way to go. To Go to chamberplan.ca, get a free quote today. It's right there. All the information you need. Uh, there's prescriptions. There's dental. Uh, there's therapies. There's the travel component that we talk about uh, so much. Uh, there's a mental health component now. An HR department. Yeah, it's all there and all affordable. They've done a great job of keeping the premiums down for small business, which is very important, obviously. It's the Chambers Plan, Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, chamberplan.ca. All right, and uh, before we get uh, back to uh, our... Uh very fine co-host today, Maureen Holloway. I want to remind you this program is brought to you by GoDaddy. With GoDaddy, you can find your domain, easily create your website, and start selling online. They have all the tools and support you need for a small business. Their website is uh, GoDaddy.ca. Here's the cool thing, too. Uh, they have free and friendly 24-7 phone support. That's right. I want to emphasize this again. You can actually call somebody at GoDaddy. A human being will walk you through every step of the process. And here's another cool feature. You can even start your website for free with GoDaddy. No credit card is even required. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. So uh, you had mentioned Substack, and and I had heard of it before. And it's a uh, a platform for people to write and to make money from their writing. And uh, one of the things, I, I guess you sent one of your substacks to me. I was included on an email. And I read it with interest. And uh, it's all about, uh, it, it, it's about something. But in, in, at some point, you talk about what you wanted to be. And I, and I thought the list was hilarious. I'm not going to read all of it. So um, in this, <laughs> this list of things Maureen wanted to be, listen, she wanted to be a princess, an actress. Hurt. A princess and actress to be named Stephanie, <laughs> which I just thought was so random to live in New York, to be a chef, to have bigger boobs, to have small. <laughs> and then the next one the is to have smaller boobs, uh, to get a doctorate, to own a place in Italy, to have a third child. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I left that too late. To be an accomplished pianist. Although what I've accomplished with my pianist is, is wonderful. I, I knew you were going to go there. I know. I'm so predictable. <laughs> but the last one I wanted to talk about because it's uh, near and dear to my heart, which is mm-hmm. to be a scratch golfer. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if you know this, but I am a scratch golfer. Yes. And I've, I have a golf podcast. It's actually, uh, it's funny. Again, I don't know if you knew that, but I do a, I've been doing a golf podcast for eight years. 
I didn't know that. What's um, it called? It's called Swing Thoughts. And the irony of that title is that it's nothing about how to move a golf club. It's all about the thoughts that golfers have that, that lead them to being poorer golfers. Because most golfers think the pathway to success is to change your golf swing. And, and, it, and it can be to a degree. But for eight years, me and my golf partner, Tim O'Connor, who's a mental performance coach, just talked to other people from around the world that deal with the psychology and the psychological part of golf. Yeah. And I love it's it. It's huge. Yeah, it's huge. The psycho- psychological aspect of golf is – that's really cool because I don't think enough people pay attention to that, and it can it can make or break you. Well, and, and we do a little bit of stuff about strategy, and then Tim and I talk about sort of our travails, and, you know, we do uh, – it's seasonal. So, I, you know, we basically start our regular season starts. The weekend of the Masters finishes around Labor Day or early September, and then the rest of the year we do a show every couple of weeks. We just did one yesterday, and – we have a little sponsor, and we don't make money from it, but we get our golf equipment for free. I love it. And, yeah. uh, and it's funny, and it's part of the Humble and Fred uh, Productions. Um, but I, I, so when did you pick up golf? I have a couple questions. And, and, did, and more importantly, not more importantly, as, as importantly, did one of your parents play? Neither of my parents played golf. My mother didn't do anything sporty. My father designed a golf course. Interestingly, he built what? a golf course in Montreal called Summerlee, which is a very beautiful course. He built – that was one of his first jobs. He's a civil engineer. He didn't play golf, but he, he didn't design the course. He built the clubhouse. That okay, was, interesting. Yeah, I remember that so well because uh, you lived in Montreal, and I, I remember did. going to the Christmas party at the Summer League Golf Course once it was open, and Magic Tom performed. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Magic <laughs> what did Tom. He, what did he perform? Did you say to Magic Tom, Magic. Make, did you say, Magic Tom, make my breasts bigger or smaller? <laughs> <laughs> Wave your wand, Magic Tom. Well, they've been both. I'll have yes, you know. So we fantastic. must have done something. Because I <laughs> So have a lot of men who are well, listening. You know, there's so there's so few conversations where golf and breast size come together, and yet they matter. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Prob- so although probably way. more than you, we would both uh, imagine. So continue. Yeah. So I, no, I didn't play golf. I played a little bit when I was younger. I had a boyfriend who played a little bit, and I hated it. Uh, but... Shortly after I, so I had breast cancer in 2005 and I went through chemo and, and, uh, uh, surgery, radiation, the whole bit. And after that, I kind of decided, well, there are things I want to do. And, uh, one was to start playing the piano again. Um, and, uh, because I played when I was a kid and hadn't in years and we had, I made friends with a lovely man named Mike Thompson. Uh, who was a big fan of Q107, and he kind of adopted John and me, and he had a lot of money, and he's a, he was a scratch golfer. And uh, and he sort of took me under his wing and taught me how to play golf. Wow. And in return, I would host. He was uh, on the board of directors for St. Michael's Hospital, and so I ended up hosting a lot of events for St. Mike's. Um, and so he just made, it, made that possible, and Callaway sponsored me and gave me clubs, and... So the next thing, and John, my husband, who'd always enjoyed golf, and he was like, hey, my wife wants to play golf all the time I'm in. And so we became a golfing family. And, and I go, as a matter of fact, in two weeks from now, I'm going to play golf with John Moore and his partner in uh, California, if it's still there. How, uh, how often do you play? Uh, not as much as I'd like to. Uh, more now, uh, right. <laughs> but uh, probably no more than once a week. I don't belong to a golf club. That's part of the problem. So, 
Well, I want to say this. I'm so thrilled for you because I I love the fact that you've taken the game up. You know, I often tell people, I say, just be careful because it's the crack of sports. Oh, oh, it it is absolutely. But I love it. I was going to say, in a way that like, you know, I've played a lot of different sports from, you know, squash, racquetball, uh, hockey. But but golfers are a unique breed. There's like a lot of there's like a, a language of golf. But you know, I just you know, I tell this story about you know you can always tell a golfer is waiting for the elevator because they're they're practicing their swing <laughs> in the mirror of the image of the or there anytime you know, a, a golfer's on a, a road trip uh, going to the cottage they look at a field and think that would make a great driving range. Yeah yeah yeah. But I would I, I tell you what I would love to take you and John uh, golfing. I'm lucky. I work for Club Link. I've been working for them for ten years. So I'm able to access uh, any Club Link course. And I've even, wow. I've, I've done that with John Moore. John Moore and I and Freddie have gone golfing. And Oh, really? Well, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, I know. It is fun. <laughs> Speak, no, the last, I haven't played with John in a few years. John's but, an enthusiastic yeah. golfer. Let's put <laughs> that it is, that way. <laughs> I, remember, I remember taking John to this place, a Club Link course now called Hidden Lake. We tee off in the first hole and John hits it uh, many times. Yeah. By the time we get up to where my ball is. But as we're walking there, I said to Fred, I said, this is going to be a very interesting day. And, and it was. It was he a very. Is, you know what? He doesn't slow anybody down. No. The problem with John is he takes too many lessons and, t- and, and talk about swing thoughts. He's got way too much going on in his head. And he's constantly, he figures if he gets a new club or finds a new golf instructor, that'll help. That's right. And I was like, no, John, it's all like, just yeah. relax and let it go. Um, his how, partner is a, is a fantastic, is a natural golf. How about you? Where, where would you, like, what kind of, like, give me your, I just flirt, two things. Yeah. Give me your I, best score ever. Oh, I think my best score ever was like 99. So I Amazing. flirted around so you can there. So you can have, break 100. You have broken not 100. Not regularly. It's okay. Not regularly. You know what? But I don't, I don't play at the same course. That's part of the problem. Most golfers, who, most people who play the game, there's a, I can't remember the statistic now, but breaking 100 is like, uh, it's like a big deal. Being around 100 is about average. Uh, the average yeah, handicap. Yeah, so I guess I'm average. Yeah, I'm an average I'm, golfer. For the, for, for the average handicap for men, uh, globally is something around 15 to 18 average yeah. handicap for women is between 20 and 25 so you're right on it but you're the kind of golfer too that you can have fun playing you don't hold people up it. you know the etiquette of the game you hit a couple good shots and that's all you want that's exactly it and i love it i love right. it it takes me out of my own head and puts me back in my own head <laughs> yeah <laughs> but a different part of my head so yeah it really is uh it's something that i i love i love it such a you know, my dad played and, and one of the few, you know, one of those things that fathers and sons, you know, I've been playing golf since I was 11 years old with my father. And, wow. uh, that's nice. And still like six weeks before my dad passed away, we were, he was in the hospital. No, six weeks. I played with him six weeks before he passed away. The week he passed away in the hospital, we were still talking about his backswing. <laughs> um, in the meantime, <laughs> let's uh, switch gears now. Let me get, I've been uh, waiting. I've been, I prepared this theme. See if you get it. <laughs> right away. <laughs> um, it's a pleasure to welcome back a, a regular contributor to this program. I believe I can never really pin pat, pinpoint exactly what she does. I believe she's in charge of the Senate of Canada. <laughs> I think so. I think That's she's. So. I'm, I'm, she certainly uh, tweets provocative tweets about oh, what's yes. going on there. Is she not a senator? I think she's. A, I, I I believe she's just recently been appointed one of the senators. If she hasn't been, she should. Um, Jackie Delaney for a long time uh, worked with both of well worked with me uh, and worked uh, closely with uh, Voldemort he who cannot be named full name disgrace broadcaster John Derringer first name disgrace broadcaster last name John Derringer and uh, hi Jackie how are you 
Hi, guys. Hey, man. How's it going? It's going good. By the way, I, I'm not an appointed senator, but if you want to nominate me, that could be a fun bit because we could test uh, this whole sham of a nomination um, program that is currently supposedly the way senators are appointed. Okay. That's a good idea. That's yeah. a proj. Yeah, I listen, Let's you know. I, I'm, it, it seem, if it, I'll tell you one thing me and Fred would say to that. If it takes any extra work, we're not interested. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if it takes any kind of meetings or brainstorming beyond this. Uh, and now we invited Jackie back on. And I, and I want you to know, Jackie, I didn't ask you, but I, I thought I knew the answer. I did talk to Maureen last week for a couple of reasons. I wanted to catch up and say how excited I was to have her co-host. But also to see if you guys were comfortable continuing this as i call it the curious case of uh, what you went through and, and jack here we, we've talked enough about it i figured that you'd be cool with it doesn't bother me in the least how, how much do you two know each other at all we yeah. yeah yeah we've we've knew each other before and we've uh, this is the first time we've actually spoken to each other in the past since the whole empire <laughs> crumbled um <laughs> But we have been in touch via email, and uh, yeah, I think we're good. Well, let's start with that. We've uh, always been good, but yeah. we're, we're yes. even better. And, and I know, exactly, and I know some of the history. And But let's just start at the uh, sort of flashpoint, which was Jennifer Valentine. And I think it was Jackie, because I follow Jackie as well on Twitter, that reposted Jennifer's video. But just take me back for you two, and, and just talk a little bit about when did you first see that Maureen and Jackie, just either one. When did you realize that Jennifer Valentine had done something that no one else had done? Uh, I think I, I saw probably a couple of hours after she had posted it. Somebody, I believe that was Toronto Mike, alerted me to it, uh, that it was on Facebook. So I went immediately to Facebook, looked at it, uh, was just welled up with pride. And I mean, I didn't know Jennifer at the time and I was so proud of her. Um, so I immediately reposted it or replied to her. I can't recall. Right. And I said, Jennifer won't say who it is, but I will. It's John Derringer. Let's do it. Let's just say his take name. Take that scab and just flick it off. Yeah, uh, and exactly. What, exactly. And, and what about you, uh, Maureen Holloway? When did you first I, realize that something has, something had shifted in the force? It, it was, that's exactly how it felt. I was actually painting the garden fence. It was the it was the Friday before the May weekend, so I was out there painting the fence like you do. And uh, and my fo- my phone rang. And it was my son, my eldest son, and he said uh, you should go uh, on uh, Facebook. He said Jennifer Valentine. I didn't even know he knew who she was. This was all very bizarre to hear your kid going. Jennifer Valentine's posted a video. You should see it. And I was like, I'm covered in paint. And I said, What is it? And he said, She she basically. Uh, she's taking Derringer down. Like I remember, this like a, like a bucket of cold water, right? It's like, <gasps> what do you mean she's taking him down? And so I I went and looked at it, and then Eden called me back. He said, "What are you going to do?" And that Jackie, I don't know if you felt that. I was like, I what am I going to do? Do what do I have to do? Then I realized I have to do something. I can't not do something. So I tweeted. What Jen, I, I back Jennifer Valentine 100%. What she says is brave and true. I remember Send. that. Yeah. And it was as I was doing that, I realized, okay, I'm going over the lip. I'm going yeah, over I was the, ask you, throwing how, in my hat. How did that feel? I, I know, again, I've talked to Jackie a bunch of times about this, but this is my first time talking to you about it. How did that feel? Two questions. Did you hesitate 
for a moment? Or, and then if you didn't, how did it feel pressing you know, send on that? Well, I hesitated only because I realized it was momentous and that whatever, that I absolutely had to back her. I mean, I had, there was no choice. The question was how and what might it mean? I mean, when you think about it, and I see Jackie nodding, what she did was profoundly courageous because we'd all thought about, Jackie actually tried to do this herself 15 years ago, Jackie. Uh, and I'm going to get to that in a second. Um, but you know that you're taking you're taking them on. You're going you're taking on a big name, and she did that. And so I, of course I had to back her because if she didn't have us backing her, it would be that much more difficult. So we had to do this. I want to tell you something about Jackie, and it's the one thing that I'm I am ashamed of. Although you've let me off the hook, was uh, Jackie was working with uh, with Derringer and and the regular crew, and I was only on once a morning with them, and I was working from home. I wasn't co-hosting the show at that point. Jackie was, uh, although not in name, but that's what she was doing. And she was going through what we all went through, and she was being harassed and and bullied. And she called me, uh, and uh, I remember this. I remember it was I was in my old house, and and told me what was happening, and asked for my support. And I said, Jackie, I can't help you because I have not witnessed. I I know, I believe you, I believe you, but I haven't witnessed it myself and it hasn't happened. And honestly, I didn't want to lose my job. I mean, all those things. Sure. So I said, I can't, I can't help you. I mean, I wish you luck, but I can't help you. And, uh, and then Jackie, you left after that. And I, I, I mean, and then I sent her a note when all this broke last summer and said, you know, that's one thing I deeply regret. And Jackie said, well, what, what were you going to do? So exactly, yeah. Jackie, Listen, you what, certainly what, didn't. Uh, you didn't have to even put that out there in in the universe today. That is something that you and I, you know, I, I've never held it against you for that, um, for the reasons that you've said. Right? Like, a you didn't witness anything, um, and what were you going to do? And uh, it it wasn't your responsibility, Maureen. No, but um, still, look. I mean, it took this long. It took twenty years for us to, and obviously, this worked because. You and Jennifer, well, Jennifer, first and foremost, and you and me and Andrea Ruse put our names forward. There are others. There are. I was going to say, I mean, quick, before we go to the others, and Jackie, why, when, you, when Maureen started to tell that story, which I knew, by the way, uh, and I wasn't going to bring it up, Mo, but why, Jackie, you got a little emotional there. Why is that? Because it, it, it's years in the making? Um, because she's putting that out there and she doesn't have to. Right. Um, and, you know, through all of this... Um, I've mostly stayed unemotional about it uh, for, you know, more than one reason, but that just brought a lot of it back. Very real. Mm-hmm. It's been 20 years, but that just made it, re- it just made it seem like it was yesterday. And it was a difficult time. It was an extremely well, difficult time. So Fred and I were in, I was in the building. Uh, there was, when, I, when we talk about other people's names, there's a lot of other women that I know personally, one, one in particular, that's a very dear friend of mine. And when all of this broke, I had a lot of conversations with her uh, about this because I, I remember witnessing it, not firsthand, but knowing about it or the vague, the, the weird. You know what it was like in that building? Everyone knew something was weird or something was not a, a, a right. Here's, I've written out a couple things I was wondering about both of you and, and answer this however you want. It's, there basically is three parts of this question. When did you first think, and this is both of you now, this is something out of the ordinary? Then... When did it become, this is some fucked up shit too. When did you think this guy's obviously mentally unstable? Because, because, uh, so. I think so, it was all in one fell swoop. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 
<laughs> because the stories are legendary, but at some point, you're both, you know, this is a good gig. It's Q107. You've obviously, this guy's got a management's behind him. But when did you think, well, this is a little bit strange, out of the ordinary behavior? For me, there was one particular incident, and it wasn't very long into my tenure because my tenure itself was only two months, if I remember correctly. I didn't say for very long. Oh, yeah, it didn't take long. Wow. No, I was like, peace out, brother. Like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm not getting up at four o'clock in the morning to come in and deal with this crap. I don't care who it is and what station it's on and how much it means to my career. So what you're saying, Jack, sorry to interrupt. So what you're saying is all three of those things existed almost immediately. (laughs) Like, you're like, this is fucking wild. Yeah, because the incident was so insane. I had never... I mean, he didn't physically hit me, but he may as well have for the shock that it gave to my system. I remember that. I remember just Can you tell us what it was? just being shocked. There was, a, there was a comment made about somebody else, because as Maureen can attest to, and as we've heard from Aaron Davis, he loved to pick on certain other personalities in the industry. And there was one person in particular, and I had worked with this person, and I made a comment, and I don't even believe it was on air. I believe it was off air. And he turned around, and the only way I can describe it is Linda Blair in The Exorcist. Because <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. He turned around. He got so close to my face that I could feel not only his breath, but his spit on my face. And just started saying, this isn't your effing show. It's not your name on it. Who do you think you are? Like just on a tirade. And I, I like, I was sick to my stomach. I'd never, had, I'd never had someone come at me that way. Least of all at work, at work. I was shocked. I was shocked. And I knew that I'm like, Oh, okay, this is bad. And then I went to management immediately. Immediately. I went to management about that incident. And I was told it's just a one-off. He's under a lot of stress. He's going through a breakup. <laughs> that, that was why I should accept this behavior because he was going through a breakup. And then it was very short. He, he did apologize. I believe, actually, it's kind of foggy for me. But then it wasn't very long after where it happened a second time. And then I'm like, yeah, no, that's not a one-off. That's a pattern. And yeah. I'm out. I'm and Maureen, out. why don't you take those three, those three, uh, <laughs> Those three questions. Did it did well? Well, I was there for fifteen years. Well, I was going to say. Well, but you you didn't. And to your point about Jackie, initially you weren't in the building. You were you were doing this remotely. Which, by the way, another time we have you on. I always thought was one of the greatest gigs ever. It was. Why you changed? But um, I didn't have a choice. So when you came, (laughs) when you started to work with him in person, how quickly did those those developments happen? Well, I'd, I had, I'd worked from home. So I was doing these little hits. I think it was called The Last Word um, across the country, as I mentioned before. So I worked from home long before other people did. I had a similar setup to this, right? Uh, over uh, ISDN, which is the, the format that allowed me to sound like I was in the studio. Right, a broadcast um, line. Yeah, broadcast line. And so for years, it was fine. I mean, I would sense I'd had... Like when Jackie was there and when when Andrea was there and Colleen was there, I would sense that there were problems in the studio, but I wasn't privy to them. I just could you could hear the tension because we'd be talking off air, too. And I had a couple of incidences which weren't enough to really I did. There was one. He stopped talking to me one one time. Just like (laughs) save your life. (laughs) 
just stop talking to me on air. So I would do my bit and then I'd just go, there'd be no reaction, right? And it, he just decided he didn't like me. It was like the Banshees of Inishirin. He just didn't like me anymore. <laughs> exactly what He said. is a Banshee so, of Inishirin. Yeah, he's a, well, he's a Banshee now. Yeah. Um, and I remember going to the program director at the time, and I'll give you an idea of how management was. I said, you know, he's just stopped talking to me. And the PD at the time said, well, let's figure out how we can make him happy. <laughs> Let me guess if I let me see if I can guess that person's voice. Well, Maureen, let's see if we can figure out how yes. to make him happy. <laughs> I, I'm guy. surprised he didn't say. Um, is he's going through a breakup? <laughs> it was that guy. Yeah, of course it was. Um, yeah, who's oh. no longer working the business for the re, for for? Uh, I believe he's a podcast reasons. consultant though. Oh, you're uh, it kidding doesn't, me! It doesn't matter. Come on. So it doesn't matter. So um, <laughs> come on. Because it could be a anyway. Long- and I remember having to take, or I made the decision to take uh, Derringer for lunch. And this was early in the day and sort of, you know, coax him into, and I remember him saying to me, you know what? You get it. The others don't get it, but you get it. And I'm like, okay, well, my work here is done. Mm. Uh, but I mean, that's God's how work, it, Maureen. yeah, God's work. I'm doing yeah. the Lord's work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it wasn't until, okay, so years and years go by, we manage. And then they decide, management decides that since I'm such an integral part of Derringer in the morning, they want to take me off the other stations because they don't matter. Toronto's all that matters. Flagship station. And put me in the room with Derringer and the boys. And I was not happy about that, but it wasn't up to me. They're like, no, we'll let you keep a couple of other, uh, your Montreal spot, but we want you in the room. And 100% focused on the show. That's what Derringer wants, too. So I really didn't have much of a choice. And as, Derringer so, wanted this? He wanted me in the room. And uh, I, so I reluctantly said, okay. But I didn't have a choice, right? Again, this is they're telling you, this is what we want you to do. You don't get to say, well, no, I, I don't like that. And so to answer your question, Howard, how would it, as soon as I started coming there in the morning, I could tell right away, this is a weird, weird mm. room. For one thing, he goes out and smokes and, and Ryan Parker, his henchman, has to go out with him. Ryan doesn't smoke. He goes to the bathroom. <laughs> Ryan goes to the bathroom with him. Uh, and then I also was privy to the bullying that he would lay down on John Garbutt, the, uh, the, the, the technical producer. I mean... I saw all this stuff that I knew was happening behind the scenes, but now I was witnessing it firsthand. And I went to, I mentioned it to management. I mentioned it to the program director. I, in passing, no formal complaint, but I was like, do you know what's going on here? It's really weird. Yeah. And if I may, just because I want to move the narrative a little bit, because uh, oh, I mean, God, I could, we could no, no, I, I, and because and we've gone over some of this, but this is the first time hearing from both of you in person, and I want to just quickly: Did you ever have one of those uh, Jackie Delaney spit in your face? Oh God, yeah, twice. It happened twice. The first time was in England. We were there. Uh, I think it was for the Led Zeppelin reunion concert, and they sent us there. And also, when you're taken away of your from your safety zone, it's scary. Eh? Being in a different city and with without your people. Wait, say Robert Plant home. yelled at you. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, that prick and the voice on him. Yeah. So <laughs> no, but no. He, but uh, he got uh, Derringer got mad Derringer enough. Had a meltdown. He had a meltdown. He, had a meltdown. Okay. he doesn't like because I was still doing hits with other stations, and I think he was jealous of that. In fact, he said he was. He didn't like me talking to other men uh, on the radio. 
Um, and we would joke about it, but he absolutely lost it in front of me, exactly like Jackie describes, the spittle-flecked rage. Mm. But this was in front of everybody, including our boss. That's By the way, that's how Can you I know. Can I just say? And just quickly, that's how you know. And two things, Mo. Every time you bang your desk, we're getting a little I'm desk sorry. bang. I'm sorry. I lo- I, it's great for effect. But by the way, that's how you know Mo's a writer. Spickle-flecked rage will now become my new on-air name. Spittle. Spittle-flecked rage is even better. Jackie, <laughs> uh, what, would you, what was your question? Uh, no, I was just going to say that reminded me of, of, I think it was his second meltdown with me. Uh, he was angry because we were getting ready to go to air. And at that time, I was also doing traffic on the show. Mm. So I was looking down at my notes to do traffic. And that so enraged him that I wasn't giving him my undivided attention. That, that's how that's it. That's what it is. Yeah. Jen, Jen said much the same, too, because I talked to Jen. I talked to her yesterday, as a matter of fact. Jen Valentine. I think she's and, listening. Uh, yeah. Hey, Jen. God, we love hey, you. Jen. That took so much and, courage and tell, to tell her tell her that all the exactly. time. Exactly, so and, and tell Jenna we would love to have her on the show, and that we're nothing like him. He, <laughs> will, he who will not be named. Yeah. But you know, before I do want to say this is important, um, and I've said it before, and it's worth saying again. Uh, you, so you remember when Siegfried and Roy, uh, that the the tiger manticore attacked. I think it was Roy on stage, and everybody said that tiger went rogue, right? And the truth was the tiger just went tiger. That's Chris Rock's joke. He said the tiger just went tiger, which is a great yeah. bit. Derringer has has issues, and um, but he didn't t- – I don't – hold, and I don't think Jen does either. I mean, he's got issues, and he's got uncontrolled rage, and he's got his own problems, and he's and it's not personal. He didn't hate Jackie any more than he hated me. I don't think he hated any of us. The tiger just went tiger. Right. The people who are responsible – 100% responsible for allowing this to continue were the people in management who knew about it from the beginning. And not one of them has admitted accountability or apologized. Not one of them has come forward. Unfortunately, almost all of them have been let go. But the tiger went tiger. And you can't, at the end of the day, he's not the one that needs to be held up to account. Well, yeah, I mean, if he- anything, they made it worse by telling him it was okay right or, or yes. by, by implying yes. that it was okay listen i those were the, the thing that our perspective you know fred and i our unique perspective is those we had the same bosses you know it was a different camp over there at humble and Fredland. you know I, I had never experienced anything like those guys at q we'd been on our own out in brampton you know and then for a while there at the edge at 16 you know we number one dundas on our own then all of a sudden these guys become part of our, you know, company, our family. And a couple months into the Derringer being in the same building, I said to Fred once after the show, I go, dude, you know, I had no idea how much a bigger asshole I could have been. I didn't know they would. <laughs> I had no idea they allowed this kind of fucking behavior because, you know, we just didn't, we just never, I'd never seen anything like it. And I've, I've listen, I've told all, I've told all the Derringer stories and Ryan, the intern, and having to, you know, seeing Ryan downstairs on Dundas with uh, Derringer's dry cleaning and a sack of uh, his laundry. So, but before I lose both of you, so Jackie, when this all um, broke, back to what Maureen just said about management, did you ever, ever get any apology, a note saying, I'm sorry you went through this, anything from any of those guys, and I don't want to name them because we all know who they are, but didn't any of them just have the decency to go, you know what, guys, you know, I was... I, I wanted to do something, but I couldn't. You know, I, I almost forgive them in a weird way because they were young, they had families. But did anyone ever just send us a, a note? No, I got nothing. 
uh, at least not from anybody who was in any position to do anything about it. Uh, what I got started getting after the first couple of complaints was uh, more about what I could be doing differently and how, you know, I was uh, bringing this on myself, basically. Sure. And I just want to say before before we say goodbye, number one, I thought I was coming on to talk about the health care reforms. Oh. Um, <laughs> in a way, in a way. You want this? Sure. Mental, mental health care reforms, yes. <laughs> That's funny. No, so I fully expect to be back on to talk about healthcare reforms. Yes, of course. Joking. I would love to talk about riveting. But before we go, uh, I do want to say one thing because you know Maureen um, was saying earlier about you know how she wished she would have done something differently. There were other people there um, who also, to what you're alluding to you know, probably felt that their jobs were at risk as well. Mm-hmm. But there are two people, one who has been with him every step of the way. And we're talking about him now, Ryan. And I don't want to single out Ryan because uh, apparently this Garth person as well. Um, my understanding, I heard that they've been announced internally as they will be back on the morning show, that the morning show is theirs. You're kidding me. Oh. That's Not, what I heard this week. I heard that too. Not so theirs. I think me. I don't. I think there will be with another person. That's not going to be their show, right? But still, that the two of them are back. I'm sorry. Uh, I get it. For the first of the while, you probably didn't feel you were in a position to say anything. But Ryan had 20 years. I don't know about Garth, but Ryan had 20 years. He grew up on that show. He had a wife and a family, and I think those kinds of things should put these kinds of things in perspective. Right. And do not tell me that they didn't have an opportunity in those 20 years to say, listen, everything these women are saying is true and something needs to be done about it. That's well and said. I have it on good authority that they actually chose to do the opposite. That when given the opportunity to say something, they actually backed up John and said, these women are bringing it on themselves. So shame on chorus for putting them back. The investig- the investigation was a sham. Right. I, I don't say too much about it because I don't want people to think that this has taken over my life. It hasn't. I have a wonderful li- life outside of this. No, I get it. Well, you know, listen, Senator Jackie, well said. Fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, Jackie for Senator. And, and uh, Maureen, you were shaking your head or agreeing. I'm, no, I'm yeah. nodding my head nodding because I heard head, the same yes. thing. I wasn't going to, I didn't know whether it's, it's all, it's still conjecture. There's been no announcement, but internally. How could they do I, that? I know. And I'm, I, I agree with Jackie entirely. The only person who's ever reached out, you call him Garth, but it's John Garbett. He's the only person who has ever reached out and said he was sorry that he didn't back me. So, but I mean, like, I knew that he hadn't, but the fact that he did apologize uh, counts for something. Never heard a word from Ryan Parker. And I agree with Jackie 100%. I know they have wives and families, but they had opportunities. They bore witness. They They were part of the problem. They were... I mean, not to be overly dramatic, but what were they doing? Following orders? Like, come on. Well, and as back to your... Was their wife treated like that? No, and and, 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 listen, we talked about Derringer's charity, which was hilarious. Um, But, you know, back to your tiger analogy, all those people, those those tiger keepers, uh, you know, the animal trainers, they knew that that tiger was going to go fucking rogue and start ripping people's face off at any time. Mm -hmm. The thing is, that tiger was also a coward because, as I've said on the show many times... Anytime he'd see me in the hall, it was nothing, nothing but nice. And behind yeah, my back, behind my back, he called thing. me so many. Like he called yeah. Fred and I. This was a famous story about him and Andy uh, Frost. That fucking spineless prick. Um, 
uh, calling us untrustworthy <laughs> cocksuckers. And we're like, what? Uh, As opposed to trustworthy tr- Exactly what I mean. Exactly. You know, a cocksucker, <laughs> you can trust. You're not going to bite me now, are yeah, you? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. One you can trust not to bite your dick off. Listen. Uh, I'm never getting that Senate appointment now. Exactly. Senator Jackie Delaney, thank you for joining us this morning. My God. Good to see you, Jackie. You too. Yeah, you both J- take care. Hey, Jackie, wait. Before you go, I got this uh, check from the government for $93. I have no idea why. What is, is it because yeah, I'm old? Same. Yeah. What is this for, Jackie? But only the men in my family. got All three of them got checks yeah. for $93, you know not me. I'm turning 63 on Tuesday, Jackie. I think they send to me because it's like, congratulations on still being alive. No, my kids got them. God damn it. But they're men. None of them. I didn't get I'll one. I'll tell you who didn't get one. Voldemort didn't get one. Uh, thank you, Jackie. Bye, guys. You're very good. Um, well, I'm, I'm. That was great, by the way. Thanks for uh, allowing me to do that. Um, to have Jackie on and to talk, bring it up again. Oh, uh, it's cathartic. I, I was going to say too, like I'm surprised. She dropped. That, she dropped. She dropped a bit of a an, a bomb there, though, at the end. I love that. What do you think? And I, I've had this conversation about uh, another disgraced broadcaster. What's the guy from Q? The radio CBC show. Uh, oh, it's Jeanne Gomeshi. Yeah, you know, I remember having this discussion with Freddie around the same time about like what happens to John Derringer now. What's the rest of his? What's well, how does it play out now? Well, yeah, he got a whack of money. I was uh, I took part in that in supposed internal investigation. Oh, you did. Thing, yeah. Supposed to not tell anybody, but why? Yeah, and the way Jackie. Why am uh, just, I not supposed to tell anybody? The way Jackie described it is well, as soon as the inve- in- internal investigation people found out that she wanted to talk as a victim as opposed to a witness, they said, uh-huh. well, they don't want to talk to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nobody, I was the only one out of the, uh, uh, the women who came forward. And there were men too. I do want to say that there were men who were bullied. He was an equal opportunity offender. Right. Uh, but out of all of them, I was the only one who agreed to cooperate with the uh, third-party investigation, but only all I would do, all I agreed to do was corroborate the information that I'd given HR back when I left seven years ago. I didn't have any new information. I just said, okay, I'll just go over what I gave you and I'll confirm it. Um, And that, and only as a a witness, I was not uh, a victim. So I didn't get any, uh, yeah, I didn't get any, uh, there was nothing in it for me. And, Jen, Jen didn't want to, and Jackie didn't want to, and Andrea didn't want to, because they, they, they were absolutely right. I was like, come on, women, if we're going to do this, we should probably, but they are all like, this is, they're working for Chorus, so what's the point? And right. they were absolutely right. You know, I said at the time, too, to Freddie, that if this was America, like, all of you would be just suing the shit out of that company. I know, but, you know. For mental, because you went through a lot of. Oh, my God, I mean, some of us more than others. Some of us are still in therapy over this. And so to my question originally there about what happens, what's the rest of his well, life you gotta, I play out? I don't, I don't care. Yeah, you said that. I'm not, I don't care. Yeah, who, I don't care. Yeah. Because uh, you know what? I Again, you know, I, I, I hate to sound like a broken record. I, it's not like I forgive him. He just is the way he is. And he just, he was loved broadcasting and he'll never be able to do that again. And I think sometimes, you know, he was the, the are you a captain at a golf course? When you're the head of the golf, like they... I don't know, maybe he's on some committee or something, yeah. Yeah, no, where the earth... Yeah, he's like, he's disgraced, and his family's probably disgraced. And 
And I feel bad for him because everything that mattered to him has been taken away and he has no legacy. And, and, and that's for someone like, I mean, that was everything for him. So, I mean, I think he's been punished enough. Whereas I don't think anybody else has been punished. Well, that's it. And, and the, the, the thing that I keep saying is his job was just to entertain. And yeah, he was awful to other people, but he did his job. Management, their job was to look after people. Mm-hmm. That's a great Everybody point. Everybody and nobody. They did not do their jobs. Um, let me just pause here. What, and, and thank you for, uh, I really appreciate yeah, you doing this. No and uh, well, let's do our job. And then one of, our, one of the jobs we do here on the Humble and Fred uh, broadcast is to acknowledge the support of the people that support us. The Retirement Sherpa. Tim Niblett is a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. If you have a portfolio and you'd like someone to have a second look because maybe you don't think it's performing as well as it should, Tim is your guy. No strings attached, no obligation. Tim will have a look and give you the straight goods. He's the Retirement Sherpa. He's licensed on both sides of the border, so it doesn't matter where you are. Tim can have a look. Retirement Sherpa, retirementsherpa.ca. Uh, thank you, Freddie. Uh, recorded Freddie. Uh, <laughs> Fred in a box. Um, also want to talk about Aaron Ventures, unearthing value. They're emerging uh, an international junior mining company and exploration engaged in the acquisition, exploration, and development of resource properties, uh, namely Boron. Uh, I don't want to bore you, but uh, Aaron Ventures' strategy is to uncover and capitalize on unique developments. Can you tell I'm a professional? Um, within Canada and various regions internationally, I tell you this uh, because they've been supporting us now for the last couple of months, and it is a, an interesting time in the world of uh, boron. There's only about five places on Earth that this uh, mineral, which is ubiquitous, it's in everything, including smartphones, everything from smartphones to uh, electric vehicles. So a pretty good place to have your people have a look. AaronVentures.com uh, Still to come, we'll uh, check in with uh, Dan's news here in a minute or two. Um, you know, a, a lot of people who listen to the Humble and Fred show when we were on the edge and other places, um, you know, thought the show was cool and everything. But as I used to tell people, and we've brought this up recently, that the best show we ever were, the best show we were doing at the time that we were on the air at the edge or any other place was off the air. And then the, the idea of doing a podcast, uh, what we found is that it's the actual show we should have been doing on the air all those years. We just wanted to talk more and have different conversations, some serious, some silly. And, and I have found it, you know, you talk about, you know, wackadoo. It's not the most money that we've ever made, certainly, but it's the most fun money that I've ever made. And in the 40 plus years I've been doing this, this last quarter of my career has by far been my most satisfying as a broadcaster. I'm just curious to you, the one year or so or how many episodes? Thirty episodes? Uh, no, we, well, we've we've released twenty-one. We have probably another ten in the can. So, so far, how have you found it? Because you're excellent when, at it, by the way. Oh, thank you. Uh, I've found it way. The actual part of talking to our guests is easy. Yes. The uh, the the it's the infrastructure of the whole thing that is exhausting and way more work than I signed up. For and I'm hoping it'll get easier. Um, the administrative stuff, right down to the like we, what we talked about earlier in the show, the accounting, the sales. Oh, we've only had one sale. 
Still, well, we I'll tell you what, really man. really hard on it. it That's pretty good. Yeah, Schneider Pollock, I would give them a shout out. Because give it they, to, they, pimp those sponsors, for yes, sure. Yes, they're wonderful. They actually came to us. They're an investment, very small investment firm that specializes, much to their delight, in, in women. Because women are usually overlooked. You know, well, if you want to talk money, where's your husband? Um, so they specialize in, 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 in women's portfolios, although their money has no gender. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they're, they're our, our, our first and only sponsor right now. But just getting all these people um, in line and, and, you know, editors and, uh, uh, well, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's just... but here's the thing, you know, Paul Romanek was on the last couple of days, did a great job. Not Maureen Holloway, but fine. Um, <laughs> you know, he talked about the same thing. He's done about a similar number of episodes, but it's the nature of the kind of podcast that you're doing that is very yeah. labor intensive. Yes. You know, I listen to that show with Rick Mercer and there's editing, there's ins and outs and it's well produced. And it's, a, it's like 40 minutes. It just flies by. You guys are both great. That was good information. It is different than what Freddie and I are doing because and, and not that we've well, cracked a daily show. Exactly. We've kind of what we've the code we've cracked is, you know, I hit record an hour and 20 minutes ago and in about 10 or 15 minutes we're going to hit stop and that's today's episode whatever production and little music that i put in the sponsors it's done and so you know there's been a lot of work getting to this point but what what i would suggest to you and i'm going to take it for what it's worth i said the same thing to paul you've got to take all that stuff you just described and and bring it down it does you guys care more about this, and I'm not being critical, but my observation about your production is you guys care more about it than me, the listener. I was listening to it as a person who had no, I, did, I knew you obviously, but I had no preconceived notion of that show, and I loved it. But it could have, it could have been just as great with you guys talking to Rick for 40 minutes and then hitting stop. It really yeah, could have been. I know. I know, and a lot of podcasts are like that. We yep. don't actually. Matt Cundell at Sound Off. Matt does a great job. Great job. He, yeah, he. Uh, when I say edit, they they don't really edit much. They take out the pops and the. We were interviewing someone. I think it was Cindy Black, Blackstock, and the the alarm went off in her uh, building, and she had to evacuate. So we cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, that for sure. They're, they're... But uh, you know, it's not like we're leaving out any big chunks. It's just really tidying up. Right. So, so it probably does sound more produced than 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 it needs to be. But um, you know, that's why we pay them the big bucks. I'll tell you, and don't get me wrong, it sounds great. But like Paul was describing the the amount of work that goes into his podcast, which is great. It's a Beatles centric. It's called The Walrus Was Paul, and he has a Canadian musician come on, and each week they discuss a certain Beatles album. It's great. It's really cool. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's a lot of work. And again, the listener, for me last night listening, like, I just love your conversation. You wanted it to be almost looser. No, not, not looser, but for me, the conversation. Less packaged? Perhaps. The conversation is what sustains that. Yeah. You and Wendy having a conversation like we have this morning. Um, that's all I was just saying because because a lot of podcasters aim very high in terms of high concept, highly produced, all sorts yeah. of stuff. And of course, then there's Fred and I who have aimed very, very low. I'm not blowing sunshine, uh, but I honestly, you and Fred and you and Dan and you and everyone humble. I mean, I've just been listening to you lately, knowing that I was going to come on, but I had to hear you and I've listened to you all, you know, all my adult life. You're natural. Like you have natural. Most people don't converse the way that you guys do. Most people are boring, and you just flow, and you're funny, and then you get serious, and then, 
uh, and you have mellifluous voices, and and it's a pleasure to listen to. That doesn't come naturally to most people. So you know, well, don't stop gotta, there. I mean, let's, listen, take some time here. Just go into some. De- <laughs> <laughs> just don't be afraid to get very detailed about how much you about, love me. No, no I very do. Nice. I, mean, I, I think you that. are a gifted broadcaster. You are very gifted. You always have been. There's no way you would have been able to, uh, you know, build a career that you've had with its ins and outs and ups and downs if you didn't have natural talent. And that's, you know, that's something that you don't lose no matter what you do. I know you gave up drinking and you and you, you made life changes and so on, but talent is there. You can't you can't buy it. You can you can hone it. But if you don't have it, it's it's you're not going to go anywhere. So well, thank you. So keep doing what you're doing, and yes, your natural it. conversation is just natural because you, you, it that's your gift. Dan, could you edit that last fifty six seconds out just to just <laughs> yeah. so that when I'm you know when you because Dan lives with me and when you see me crying and rocking in the corner. Uh, in the meantime, I'll help you go to sleep at night. <laughs> That's right. When I'm up in the middle of the night doubting everything about me and my life, I'll... Here's to a fella named Dan Devine, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man, his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman, comes As for credentials, he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang so he don't care And his voice is nice and low That's right My voice is nice and low Pretty guys, see you and Wendy don't have a cool jingle like that No we don't (laughs) And now live from my kitchen The Dan Duran Broadcast Center Right next to the coffee machine Across from the uh the microwave, which I was told this morning, the reason the microwave door was open is Dan doesn't like moisture inside the microwave. Oh yeah, I let it air out. He likes to I air out his microwave. Uh, anyway, uh, live from uh, the kitchen. Here's Dan Duran, everybody. Donald Trump has uh, has been with so many women he can't recognize them. You may have heard that uh, Trump is being sued, specifically. Because uh, there's a lot of lawsuits kicking around out there. E. Jean Carroll has accused Trump of sexually assaulting her and uh, also a defama- a, a defamation of character or whatever. The transcripts of a, de- uh, a, a deposition from last year at Mar-a-Lago have uh, just recently been released. I think it was yesterday. And uh, when presented with a photograph dating from uh, the 1990s, Trump said that Marla, uh, yeah, that's that's my wife. Except that it wasn't his wife; it was E.G. Carroll. Wow, <laughs> he was with that, that's Carroll. how that's how you know you've done too much raping is when you, <laughs> when, when you can't recognize people. Of course, he's denied Carroll's sexual assault allegations, arguing that she was not his type. Which oh, that's right, that's a, right. Which is a great excuse. One of the best uh, defenses yes. for the whole thing. Yeah. Um, well, that is, I saw that story today. I saw, the part I saw, enough. if you saw it too, Maureen, is that uh, he's actually going to, they've said he's going to go on trial. One can hope. Yeah, I don't know that he will, but Dan, did you see that as part of that story? Yeah. But it's, uh, but, you know, I, I, I don't mention it because you know, I've heard this over and over again. Uh, you know, so many people have talked about it. And, right. uh I don't know if it's going to actually happen. Well, yeah, that would be something. That's really what, you know, we've talked about this on the show many times. Hang on. Not yet. Not yet. No Toronto Mike theme yet. Um, I did see a story I wanted to bring up with uh, you two, and now everyone's here. Freddie's uh, going to join us in a second, and so is Boone. But I saw a story today, and it said that there are 25 Zellers 
Uh, locations are opening up, but inside Hudson Bay stores. So 25 Zellers opening up inside of Hudson's Bay. And I thought to myself, that is not at the that is most that is one of the most old and new sentences I've ever heard. First of all, did anyone say, oh, we need more Zellers? I thought Zellers were, that's like saying, Aunt May is about to die. Let's open up a Zellers. So for old time's sake. But I, I had no idea that uh, there was a, a, people were missing Zellers that much. Is that, isn't that the uh, Club Z, lowest, yes. price, lowest price is the law? Lowest price is the law. Yeah. yeah. It's the law. Absolutely. It's, the law, yeah. it's actually lowest in the Constitution. Um, Dan, I know you ha- usually do two stories, but we're running out of time because, uh, you know, Grandpa's got to get to his physical. Uh, let's say hi right now, as we do on Thursdays, to the producer of this program, Toronto Mike Boone. And uh, live from uh, a beach somewhere in the Dominican Republic. He doesn't want anyone to know in case he's overwhelmed by Humble and Fred fans. <laughs> Is it working? Can you hear us? Yeah. Can you hear me? Dude, it sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, this is a test of the Dominican Broadcasting Network. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, Sounds great. It does sound cool. Like, where are you? Just give me some perspective. I can see the ocean behind you, but where's your place, like, across from you? Are you facing it? Right in front of me. Right in front of me. Yeah. Right on. So behind you, is a, behind you is a pool and then the ocean? Yes. Oh, wow. Just the way I like it. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I'm not an ocean guy. I like looking at the ocean, but being in a pool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, did you hear me describe? Hi, Maureen. How are you? Hi, Maureen Fred, Holloway. I'm good. How are you? You good. look Thanks. great. Thank you. Thanks for guest. Oh, you do as well. Uh, thank you for guest fretting. That's so sweet of you. It's my place. Absolutely my pleasure. I can't believe what a good time I'm having. Maureen, by yeah. the way, as the kids say, Freddie, Maureen crushed it this morning. Absolutely. I bet. Uh, when you, if you ever, if you listen back to this episode, there was a very uh, riveting twenty-minute uh, roundtable with Jackie Delaney and Maureen Holloway talking about the uh, he who will not be named anymore, disgraced broadcaster okay. John Derringer. Well, um, here, here's what I'm going to do: is I'm going to when I'm um, finished with this test. Yes. By the way, is the ocean too loud, or is it okay? You can't hear it. Can't hear anything. Just hear oh, the, just, Yeah, it's fantastic. Okay. The way these microphones are, because this will be great for me to be able to do this show out here. Yeah. Because the people I'm with, then I'm not going to be bothering them. And it's just a great environment. And by it's bothering fantastic. them, it's not because you're loud. They just don't like our show, including his. <laughs> this, this is <laughs> it. <right. laughs> including your wife, wife and your best friend. Listening <laughs> to this show, you think my wife was in convulsions. She rolls her eyes so many <laughs> That's times. That's right. Poor thing. Right? Um, Poor thing. Um, by the way, Howard, yes, sir. by the way, those those Zeller stores closed and became Target, remember? Oh. And then the ah. Target's all the Target's all closed down and they want to bring Zellers yeah. back on some in some form. Yeah. Yes. I and the thing I screwed it up because I, I wrote down the sentence, I'm going to Zellers inside of Hudson's Bay. That's the oldest <laughs> sentence anyone's ever heard. Yeah, I don't get uh, I don't get that either. No, I know. Uh well listen, again, thanks to Paul Romanek this week. They did a great job. And um uh Thank you, Maureen. I, I appreciate your kind words, but I, I got to say, when you said you would do the show, I thought this is going to be cool because, you know, not a lot of people from regular radio, as we call it, or terrestrial radio, eh, Freddie, can make the transition. Yep. And we could tell you some names of people we've had on this show, big time Toronto radio morning people that literally couldn't have filled 
10 minutes of it, but you were just so good, and I knew you would be, and I really appreciate it. It was absolutely my pleasure, and uh, have me back anytime. I'm just enjoying this so much. I'm enjoying all of mm-hmm. you. Um, so, yeah, I'm here if you need me. Well, thank and you And even again. if you don't, I'm still here. Okay. How are those people you're talking about? Let's put their names on our Facebook page. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Well... Oh, all the, all the, yeah, yeah. Sure. No, and, 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 and we've had this discussion, Freddie and I, dozens of times about how it's funny, you know, lots of guys mm-hmm. that were some of the biggest names in the business come on here, not just disc jockeys, but other big time Toronto personalities. And the problem is on a podcast, there's nowhere to hide, you know, like there's mm-hmm. no breaks. There's no, you can't fake it. Like we've had some big names here that they're good for 10 minutes. And then when it starts to kind of get a little bit more real, a little more authentic, a little more conversational, their facade has to fade and they are, yeah. aren't as comfortable in that. But that's true of stand-up comics too. Often they're you've got oh, yeah. tight 10, you got your 10 minutes of material that you know and you control and you know exactly how to deploy it. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. you put it in a conversational thing. It's like, whoa, whoa, you're pulling me out of my safe 10 minutes and I don't know what I might do. So yep. I don't like During it. During the but... uh, serious years, Freddie and I worked on, you know, Sirius XM. When you were serious? No, no, yeah, when we were serious. But during that five <laughs> I <miss> years. that. <laughs> yeah, during the five, on the comedy channel at Sirius yeah. XM, we used to have to have all these comics on. A lot of people I knew, but just what you said, hey, eh, Freddie, we'd have them on and not very many of them. Darren Frost was one of them who was, who was always great, but not a lot of them could actually just have a conversation. Yeah. Not trying to be funny every, you know, eight to 12 seconds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stressful. Yeah. Well, it can be if you're not used to it. I mean, and I know you guys were talking about Mike Cooper earlier this morning, and I remember when we first went to the mix. One of the first things he said to me or us, because we were just coming off the Mojo uh, experiment, and he said, "I don't know how you guys do that. I could never do that. I'm just, you know, I need my uh, short breaks and then move on." He said, "I yeah. could never, I could never have done that," and he admitted it. So did Roger Ashby. Yeah. Remember? Well, they're Roger, old. They're Roger, old school. That being yeah. said, uh, so I had the I had the pleasure of working with Mike for two or three months at the end of my uh, uh, time at CHFI, and yeah, he's old school. But oh my god, I remember the f- the first time he came on, it was five in the morning, and he said, uh, "I said, okay, I have a story," and he said, uh, "So I was down in uh, wherever he was," and he said, "So there the, there there are some gay guys there." And he said, "The gays like me." <laughs> 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 um, and uh, and before we say goodbye, give our give my best to your husband John. I will. Uh, your son Aiden and, and uh, Rodan, of course. Ronan. Uh, Ronan. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> um, and uh, Toronto Mike, uh, here's your time to shine. We got about thirty seconds to tell us uh, on next week's program. Freddie will be in the DR. I'll be here in the uh, Sketchway. And uh, who's uh, joining us? First, good morning to Maureen Holloway. Hey, Mike. How you doing, Mo? And just secondly, I actually had held on to a radio story. It's now on torontomike.com, but I held on to it for this moment, and then Jackie Delaney stole my thunder. But I was going to reveal that, yes, I have confirmed that Johnny Garbutt and Ryan Parker are going to be the new Q107 morning. Did you hear this, Freddie? No. What is that? I'm sorry. The chorus is going to bring back those two fucking kids that sat there for 25 years while women were abused in front of them, and they're going to be part of the new show. Well done again, chorus. Well done. Part of the new show or the new show? That's got to be part of, honestly. Yeah. What do you they, say, Mike? The, mm. Yeah, uh, at this point, 
I'm assuming there's a third voice in that room. I just haven't confirmed who that voice is. But it, this changes also. I'll tell you one thing. One, if it turns out to be Dan Duran, he is no longer welcome in my kitchen. <laughs> He's dead to us. <laughs> He's do or dead to me, Dan Duran. I'm Dan Duran. Here's Black yeah. Sabbath again. <laughs> and again and again. And again, exactly. There's five of the same Black Sabbath songs in a row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I'm not sure that's the best strategy, but they've done some other peculiar things. So what the hell? Yeah, I, why not? <laughs> uh, can so, I? Can I just just yes, like please. I don't know we're supposed go. to be saying goodbye, but just some, my two cents on that. They can't let those guys go. Those boys go because they have no grounds. So uh, mm-hmm. right. So what are they? I'm sure they've been sitting there going, "What do we do with them? We can't let them go because we risk a lawsuit because they were not the perpetrators. They bore witness to it." Mm-hmm. So I guess they figured, well, we've, if we're, we got to keep them, we might as well throw them back in and sure. bring but in Mo, someone else. You can fire anyone for any reason if you sever them fairly. Like it would just mm-hmm. be cutting a check and you can just say goodbye if they wanted to. Well, then that's a weird decision. All right. Well, see, I, 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 of course, Mike Boone has, uh, I think he has a lawyer sponsoring his program, so he would know. Um, uh, Booner, <laughs> I am a lawyer. Boone? So next week, we yeah, have a no, couple I was gonna of say, I'm, I'm going to, by the way, remember that little thing we talked about? Uh, I'm going to try and wash the file and then send it to you, but you can do all the other stuff if you don't mind today, okay? Just Pal? let me know if you have or have not, and I will do whatever you I have I appreciate done. you, buddy. Uh, so see next you. week on the program, sir? Yeah, a couple of duos. This is exciting. So on Tuesday, we have, and I, pardon me, I can't remember her name, but you know, Howard, Jeff Lumby and his wife. Julie LaFontaine. Julie. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, okay. it's going to be Tuesday, great. On together. Wednesday is a neat little duo. You just mentioned this guy's name, Darren Frost and Lisa Baker together. Amazing. Lisa's uh, become a bit of a regular on the show. Very funny East Coast comic, lives in Edmonton, uh, Maureen. And Darren Frost has been probably our, uh, Mike, would he qualify as one of our most frequent, if not, this will be his 15th appearance or some nonsense. Yeah, he's been on many, many times. Absolutely. And always looking forward to it. Uh, Maureen Holloway, once again, I can't thank you enough. It was awesome. I hope you enjoyed it. And, uh, I did. Tell, uh, give our best to Wendy and uh, Maureen's uh, podcast. If you haven't figured it out by now, it's called The Women of Ill Repute. Uh, our buddy Matt Kundal produces it, and it's uh, really, really well done. Uh, what is the most recent episode? Who's your guest? Uh, Lana Payne, who's the head of Unifor. Uh, the union, the big, she's a union boss and she's nice. a tough cookie and she's just, you know, she's really, really interesting, wonderful woman. So check it out. Well, you're a really, really interesting, wonderful woman as oh, well. thank you. As are the rest of you. Yes. Uh, hey, I'm, 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 I'm going to go for a walk on the beach and listen to the Maureen Holloway episode of the Humble and Fred show. You're going to freaking love it. And everyone else have a great Humble and Fred weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Boat, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan. GoDaddy, Aaron Ventures, and evnet.ca. We read all of our emails, Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Liking and subscribing helps us out, so does telling friends. Tell your friends about the show, and uh, maybe teach them how to listen to a podcast, too. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. Enjoy every goddamn day. Habitations in the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low. The jigsaw jazz and the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts. Two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans that just clap your hands or just clap your hands.